Shalom mishpocha. Shalom family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, means family, and we're the mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people where uh, the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form one new man, one new humanity, getting ready, mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, all the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. And I'm going to tell you something. If you have anything wrong with your spine or your back, you listen to this show all five days and you're going to get an amazing miracle. You're going to be healed. My guest, Ricardo Sanchez, he's won Dove Awards. He's nominated for the Grammy Award, but he has through life experience and through intimacy with God, uh, developed a way that the limits in your life are about ready to be unshackled, to come off of you. I want you to get to know Ricardo just a little bit. Uh, Ricardo, you're, uh, you're age five and you're already playing uh, music and singing in your, your family band. What, what, what did you do? <laughs> Well, hello, Sith, and to your audience as well. It's truly an honor to be here. I was, yes, I was five years old. And I, what I tell people is ever since I can remember remembering, there was always music in my family. And obviously with a name like Ricardo Sanchez, I grew up in a Latin home, and my father loved music. So there was constant mariachi music, uh, Latin salsa music being played throughout my home. And uh, my father, his desire was to be a, a Latin singer. Uh, the only problem was he didn't have a great voice to do that. But uh, he uh, taught us children how to sing. There's six of us total. I'm the youngest of six. Three of us grabbed a hold of this passion and began singing at the age of five for different church groups around uh, Phoenix, Arizona and such. And, and you became a musician with uh, most people are familiar with Israel Houghton, and he actually uh, mentored you. And one, uh, and, uh, one day... God speaks to you to walk away uh, from the wonderful ministry you have and do a CD, uh, but you were a little nervous over it. Why? Well, I tell you, it's, it's, it's always embarrassing. Well, I should put it this way. It takes faith to step out and do something that you've never done before, to actually walk on, uh, metaphorically speaking, walk on water, that you've, things that you've never seen before. It takes courage. It takes something you know, that you can't learn in, uh, from a textbook or in a class. And, and here I was, you know, I was at the age of 30 at the time, and God tells me to go out and begin to invest $20,000 into a CD. There, there are millions of CDs made every year. And what would be, you know, so different about my CD? But I just felt this something inside my spirit to get out there. And, and I heard God say, write songs and put them in the hands of worship leaders. Write songs where my spirit would flourish. Write songs where churches would begin to see the supernatural, where the prophetic can flow, where I can move and speak genuinely to my people. And that's what it was. Now, uh, but uh, according to my notes, uh, God spoke to you when you were really struggling with doing this, and he said something very profound. What did he say? Well, I tell you, one of the things that I had seen, Sid, is that so many people are getting glory. 
so many people's names are on CDs. And there was even an encounter with, uh, I'll just name her Sister Sandpaper uh, in our church who, you know, told people, well, Ricardo's just out for money. He's going to, you know, keep all of this money and blah, blah, blah. And and so I went before the Lord, and I, what I see now is false humility. And I said, God, I don't want my name on this record. I don't want my name on these songs. I, I This is not about me. And in the midst of worship to him, in the midst of prayer this morning, uh, that specific morning, I heard the voice of God speak to me, Sid, and he said, Ricardo, what makes you think any of this has to do with you? This has nothing to do with your glory. This has to do with my glory. This has to do with my word. And I realized in that moment that my songs, my sermons, no prophetic word has ever helped anybody. What has helped people is the anointing in the song, is the anointing in the sermon, is the anointing in the prophetic word, the utterance. And it was in that moment that my faith just got on fire, and it leaped, and I began to write songs. And and that's really where it began. Uh, Ricardo, uh, you know, some people, they're really proficient in seeing things in the Spirit. I'm proficient in feeling things in the Mm. Spirit. And I feel an awesome presence of God over your life. Uh, now, that just doesn't come automatically. What's your worship like? Personal worship, I mean. Sid, our personal worship life is a lot like our public worship life. There's really no difference. Every time I go before God, it's different. And in every service that we worship, it's different because God is forever moving. So whether it be I'm walking through something uh, economically, physically, or spiritually, I always enter my office. There's either a guitar, a keyboard, or a piano near me. And I will pick up right before I open up the Word. I'll pick up my guitar or go to the keyboard, and I'll begin to play. And a lot of it is feeling the environment, but also understanding intellectually with my natural mind of where I am, what my family's walking through, what I've experienced on Sunday morning, the Word, the Scripture I'm memorizing, I'm studying, and I'll just begin to play and play a melody. Melodies will come, and then I'll just open up my mouth a lot like um, Mike Maiden, who has introduced me to the prophetic song. I'll just begin to open my mouth and sing prayers to God, and that's where my worship starts. And really, then I might go into a chorus that I might know, a hymn that I might know, but then I'll just allow room and space for God to speak to me and to move me um, to my next place throughout the day. Now, what I'm seeing is uh, there is a unique presence of God when you worship him in a public arena that affects people. I mean, literally, we'll talk about it later this week. Uh, The deaf can hear, the blind can see, the lame can walk. But there's something else that's something that everyone here can relate to that's listening to us. And people have one or more areas in their life that are hopeless. Mm. Um, You have a a song uh, on the album, It's Not Over. And that's the name of the song. It's not over. What does that mean to you? Well, my family and I walked through an experience with our son that we'll get into in a minute, but it was a moment where I desperately needed heaven to move. I needed God to move. I had this simple revelation that when the presence of God, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. And so when the presence of God, the promise of his presence comes in our praise and in our worship, 
And what I saw was not just Jesus coming, but in the spirit, what I saw was his entire kingdom comes with him. It's not just God and his grace. It's God and his mercy and his power and his forgiveness and his blessing and his anointing. His entire kingdom comes with him. And so in the midst of this season that Jeanette and I were walking through in our family, I needed heaven to come down. I needed a miracle. I needed the supernatural to be tapped into and activated in my season and in my moment. And this song just kind of flowed from that instance. It kind of flowed um, into our season, into our circumstance, and began this bomb. This and, but, but the anointing on this song is going to flow into your circumstance, into your problem right now, because I proclaim on behalf of Almighty God, it is not over. It's not over, it's not finished, it's not ending, it's only the beginning when God is in there. Just before dawn This might be the hardest Season you've experienced I know it hurts It won't be too long You're closer than you think you are You're closer than you've been before So look to the sky
That was Ricardo Sanchez, and from his lead song, It's Not Over, from his CD, and he has a book, It's Not Over, and a teaching. He has a profound anointing on his teaching. And if you felt something stirring, if you felt hope for the first time, wait till you have this whole package called It's Not Over, available for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line. 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. How did you write the song, Ricardo, It's Not Over? So I was in um, Southern California uh, preparing to lead worship for uh, the Rock Church and uh, in San Diego, California. I come down uh, to breakfast uh, with my drummer, and we ate breakfast. As I'm walking out into the lobby, um, my eye caught this young woman um, distraught in the sitting down in the lobby of this hotel. And I could only assume what she did the night before because her makeup was, you know, blurred, and you could tell she slept in her clothes. And you could only assume what type of occupation she she did. And um, I rarely do this, but when God speaks to me, I have to obey. So I, I grabbed Terry and I said, "Come with me." Terry walks with me in the foyer of this uh, hotel, and I say, hello, my name is Ricardo Sanchez, and I don't know who you are. You may not know who I am. I'm a singer-songwriter, uh, worship leader, and I'm just wanted, I just need you to know that God told me to tell you that your life is not over, that what you've experienced in your life, that you are not um, done, that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Uh, she allowed me to pray for her. But in that moment, the Spirit of God continued to speak to me as I left that conversation. I ran upstairs, and I wrote on a piece of paper, grab my guitar, it's not over, it's not finished, it's not ending, it's only the beginning, because when God is in it, all things are new. And that's where the song originated um, from, was in that moment. And, you know, uh, you had no idea, but three months later... Uh, you're in an airport, mm. uh, and you get a call that no father wants to receive. Uh, you you listened, and you didn't you didn't get it, but you got the message. What was that message? Said so I was landing in Jacksonville Airport, and as uh, the stewardess uh, indicated, we could turn our cell phones on. Uh, my phone was bombarded with uh, a series of 911 texts from friends, family, from my pastor that said, get home, 911 emergency. And as I called my wife, Jeanette, who's a a graduate from Oral Roberts University, a strong woman of faith, um, powerful woman of God, she was um, uh, hysterical. She she said, they took him, they took him, 
uh, they took our middle son, whose name is Josiah. Uh, he dove into the shallow end of a friend's pool, and he broke his C3, 4, 5, and 6. He broke his neck. And uh, the paramedic said that he had a 1% chance to live. So uh, uh, call your husband. Uh, prepare his heart for the worst. We're going to air vacuum to Scottish Rite Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, they were in Atlanta. I was flying into Jacksonville. And um, that's, that was my message. And I was sitting in an airplane with a bunch of people whom I didn't know. I didn't have a choir. I didn't have a pastor. I had nothing but strangers all around me in this airplane. Um, I remember crawling out practically of this airplane. I got my guitar and my bag, falling on my knees as soon as I passed the ticket counter of Delta uh, in Terminal A, and falling on my face and just crying out to God, saying, I need you. I need you. Don't you remember me? Uh, what about your promises, God, over my son? What about the prophetic words over his life, over his situation? And uh, I remember throwing my hands over my head. I didn't care who heard me. I didn't care if they were going to haul me off somewhere. I just needed a miracle to fall from heaven. And I just began to weep. And all of a sudden, these blood songs, these old songs, oh, the blood of Jesus, all these songs begin to come to my memory and begin to slowly trickulate into my heart. And the song, It's Not Over, that I had written just a few months before, had begun to find its way into my heart. And I begin to sing this song. I begin, and it gave me life, Sid. It gave me hope. It gave me courage to go on to the next step uh, that we needed to go to. Now, let me get this straight. Uh, you're in a crowded airport. Yeah. Um, and you're oblivious to the people. Uh, it, you, you have got to get in touch with God for your son. Uh, did, was there any point you were conscious that people were looking at you? Well, no, not at all. And, and even right now, prophetically, I feel there are people who might even be in a crowded place even now, and no one around them has any idea what they're walking through. No one around them has any idea what their finances are, their relationship statuses, or the health, the circumstance in their life. And just like I did, I did not know who was around me. But I want to encourage those who are listening that regardless of your circumstance, when God is in it, there is no limit. I threw my hands over my head. I laid on the floor and shouted to God. I, I didn't care who was around me. I needed a miracle to happen. I needed heaven to shake. I needed the earth to shake for my son's sake, for this thing that we were walking through. And what did that song it's not over mean to you at that moment? Well, it just became so personal. And like you said in the intro, prophetically, I had no idea what I was doing when I was writing that song. I thought it was all about some woman that, that we had seen and that God told me to give a word to. And all of a sudden, three months later, it's activated in my heart. That song was that rope of hope. That song was uh, my point of contact 
to grab and to hold, to unlock the supernatural, to unlock the heavenly things that would fight these principalities that were trying to control the circumstance in my family, in my set measure of rule. That song meant that, that I had a sword in my hand that I could fight doubt and fear and begin to march on in this battle that we were about to face, even bigger giants uh, that my son was facing. That song was my rope of hope. Today, and, and we haven't explained what occurred, but today, do you feel there's any impossible situation that God can't turn around? Sid, I don't believe there, there is nothing impossible with God. When God is in it, the song says, when God is in it, there is no limits. When God is in it, regardless of what you're walking through, politically, nations, regardless of what nations are walking through, corporations, regardless of what health is going on in your body, negative. Listen, when God is in it, there is no limit. I don't believe there is nothing that God can't turn around for his good and his glory. Well, well, God gave you not just a song, but out of what you walked through with your son, uh, God gave you a teaching. And when you play that song and for concerts or, uh, or teach on the subject and, and instill supernatural hope where there is no hope, uh, what, what do you see happening? Yeah, give me a snapshot of uh, after you've you've sung a song like this and taught taught on the subject. What what do you see? Well, most of the time, people run to the altar. They they need a point of contact. What I have seen, we've preached, we've ministered this song uh, for the past year and a half. We've been in thousands of worship services, and I'm going to tell you, every worship service, we see ninety to ninety five percent of congregations come to the altar, those that are walking through and it's not over season, those who are walking through a season where the enemy has had his way long enough and they need heaven to move. Sid, we are seeing the the presence of God come and fill and minister into the hearts and lives of his people. We are actually seeing the supernatural take place in families, in bodies, in circumstances and situations. I tell you, I think we're the ones who allow the things of God to grow faintly dim in the light of our busyness and confusion. But what happens when we put him in the forefront, when we declare his word, when we begin to acknowledge the promises and begin to believe and activate those promises by in faith, by worship or prayer or declaration, what we are seeing is God uh, answering his promise and coming into the hearts and weaving into the lives of every congregation that we're seeing respond to this song and this message. Well, Ricardo has got a situation where his nine-year-old son has less than a 1% chance of recovery. If he, uh, if he doesn't recover, what would his uh, prognosis be for his life? Um, they had prepared us, um, these experts had prepared us um, to, uh, that he'll be in a wheelchair, that he'll be paralyzed from the neck down, that, um, that he'll, his quality of life will almost be um, nothing. Um, and this is what we were fighting. Uh, we had known people, athletes who, uh, and I'm sure you, listeners that are listening to us today, uh, know of people 
who are in wheelchairs who have broken. The paramedics told us basically this, the first responders, uh, we have a saying, uh, and they were very delicate in this, and I'm just being, for, for time's sake, very direct. They said, uh, above the C4, there's no more. Uh, the chance of survival is less than 1%. So th- we were fighting um, some serious giants for our son. You worship God, you're oblivious to the people. Uh, did you feel a breakthrough at that time, or you don't know what you felt? See, I, I wish I could say that on the airplane when I've got the text from my wife and the phone call that that I believed in faith the whole time and that the plane got saved, uh, that just wasn't my ending. That wasn't or my beginning, I should say. Uh, to be quite honest with you, I responded quite naturally. Uh, I was intimidated. I don't like using the word fear because I have God. Whom shall I fear? So the, the word intimidated comes to mind. I felt like I was about to enter into this battle and I was very nervous. And I, I, I just, I, I was in the airplane and I just remember tapping into those old hymns. Uh, amazing grace, oh, the blood of Jesus, something about that name. And it, that seemed to be uh, the sliver of hope that I needed to, uh, to allow the anointing of God, the balm of Gilead, to begin to flow and to begin to heal those, those areas, not just of my life, but of my sons, um, my bloodline, my, those that are carrying on my name. And it was through that worship experience that the presence of God began to flow through and the song It's Not Over again began to bubble up in my spirit and that's where I felt. Uh, it was in that moment of falling on my face uh, in the terminal and crying out to God that uh, the presence of God began to saturate my situation, began to saturate. I believe, uh, even though I was in Jacksonville, I believe at that very time God began to move in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, in my son's body, in, in the doctor's hands, in the, in the x-rays, in the prognosis. I, began the, I believe the Spirit of God began to flow in our entire circumstance. Now, tell me what the firefighter said that loaded your son in the helicopter. Mm. Said this fire, firefighter who had been a firefighter for over nine years, he said, in my nine years' experience, I have never seen uh, anybody, whether it's an adult or a young person, sustain this kind of injury and ever survive. So prepare your heart for the worst. But although you couldn't see anything with your eyes, I believe that there was a major breakthrough that occurred when you were not ashamed of God. You didn't care what man thought. And you, right in the middle of the airport, you start worshiping your God with every fiber of your being. Yeah. I believe things started changing. Sid, that's a great way to, to describe it because that's exactly what it was. Every fiber of my being. I was unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I needed God to move. In those moments, I, I've heard it said, adversity doesn't build character, but it reveals it. And Jesus said, what's in a man comes out of a man. What they're made of, your character will speak in those moments of desperation. And for me, when we'd heard that paramedic say that, Jeanette had told me this, I, I had nothing left, Sid. It had emptied the tank. But in the midst of that, I hit the floor and begin to worship God and just begin to cry out to him and begin to ask for his healing power to touch my son. Tell me about the song we're going to play right now, I'm Not Ashamed. Well, it was kind of one of those moments, 
um, I was in Phoenix, Arizona at a concert. My record label at the time had gotten us phenomenal seats to sit about in the 10th row. As uh, the artist is playing and singing, there's a young woman, uh, probably 23, 24 years old, dancing, lifting her hands in the air. And as a Pentecostal uh, worship leader uh, who believes in the God, the full gospel, um, I could obviously see she was speaking in tongues, lifting her hands, praying in the spirit. Well, there was a couple behind her that were mocking her, making fun of the way that she worshiped laughing, mimicking her, mimicking her uh, in mockery. And what grabbed my heart as a worship leader is I saw this daughter of the woman who was worshiping just so enamored. It was almost like her mother was teaching her how to worship. And I thought that what an attack upon this young girl and her mother in a beautiful moment. And right when I was about to say something to this this group of people who are making fun of that, you know, my father's a retired command sergeant major in the United, from the United States Army. And so right when my father's voice was about to come out of me to correct these people, my wife nudged me. And the Spirit of God nudged my spirit at the exact same time. God spoke to me. Uh, and sometimes my wife and the Spirit of God are the exact same person, to be quite honest. But it was in that moment that God said, these people have no idea of what it's like to be fully dependent upon me for rent, for food, for sustaining life, period. This woman is unashamed and could care less at who's watching her worship me. And I remember going home that evening, picking up my guitar and writing, I'm going to dance for you like nobody's watching me. And that's where the song came from. I Am Not Ashamed by Ricardo Sanchez.
like nobody's watching, nobody's watching me and dance for you, my love. I'm gonna sing for you like nobody's listening, nobody's listening and sing for you, my love. Because Ricardo Sanchez was not ashamed of God, God began to move from a 1% chance of survival. His son, I mean, he, he had these pictures of his son being in a wheelchair his whole life. His son having a breathing tube coming out of his neck, a breathing machine. Uh, but he had a breakthrough. And I believe that the breakthrough that God has for you is, did you feel the anointing, the presence, uh, as Ricardo teaches and speaks about this, and the, and the presence of God on his music? That's an anointing, and that anointing will remove the limits God has. I don't care what problem you have, but as you listen to his CD, It's Not Over, and this book, and his teaching CD, the anointing is going to cause the same breakthrough that occurred for Ricardo's son that you're about ready to hear in your life. I don't care whether it's marriage. I don't care whether it's finances. I don't care whether it's health. I don't care whether it's a flat spirit of depression. I tell you, it's not over. The entire package is available for a gift of $40 Call her right today. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. You got down on your hands and knees, and you made contact with God, and something changed in the spirit world, and then you get a telephone call. Tell me about it. We got a telephone call, Sid, from a doctor that we had no idea um, who he was. Uh, I was in Jacksonville, Florida. This was happening to my son in Atlanta, Georgia. And this telephone call came from Central California from a man whom we've never met. 
my youngest brother-in-law is graduating from high school. They had a, a high school uh, graduation party at some house that he had never been to. It happens to be at uh, one of the premier neurosurgeons in Central California, whom when my mother-in-law got the phone call about Josiah, my son, my nine-year-old baby, um, this doctor happened to be walking right by her and said, what's going on? And um, she told him uh, what took us four hours, the waiting room of four hours to find out exactly what was going to happen, what was going to be the official prognosis of our son. Um, he picked up the phone and in four minutes had us on the phone on a three-way telephone call speaking to the surgeon. And again, throughout this whole uh, situation, the supernatural was just unlocked and unleashed where it seemed so desperate. We were so desperate for God to move and heaven to shake that uh, we found out that uh, my son was going to be fine that um, they have to do surgery, um, but what the reports had come in, the initial reports uh, were dire, exactly like you said. Um, the diagnosis at that point uh, ended up being that we have to operate, but your son's going to be okay. Okay, they operate, uh, and then recovery should take how long, physical therapy and everything? Well, it should take about eight months total, but he, would, he was able to get out of the hospital um, and then continued the therapy. He was able to get out of the hospital within a month. Um, he was brought home with oxygen tanks to help him breathe. He was brought home with a neck brace to help support and strengthen his neck. But even in that process, um, you know, there was still healing going on throughout. God speaks, and he's healed, and he's okay, but there was still a process that he needed to go through. You know, God was in this, and God is in so many situations of people that are listening to us right now, and you just don't see him there. For instance, when your son dove into the pool, the shallow end, and had this uh, life-changing accident, uh, there was a friend of yours that had a dream. Tell me about that. We were literally in a physical waiting room. Uh, an emergency at Scottish Rite Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia, and not just physically, we believe spiritually to a large degree in a waiting room. And we didn't, we didn't really report this to many people. Uh, some pastors, family from around the world would call us. Um, and a friend of ours, um, her name is Joni, she had just called because she had a dream. Um, when she called, uh, our voicemail kicked in. She ended up calling a friend. They told her what had happened. She rushed to uh, Scottish Rite Hospital in downtown Atlanta. She found us in the waiting room. She found us in the emergency waiting room. And her and her daughter, she said, Ricardo, I did not know what was going on, but I had a dream. She said, and this is why I called you in the first place. She said, I had a dream that your son... She didn't say which one. She just said, your son dove into a pool, and he dove in head first. She said, but my dream was, she said that there was an angel of the Lord at the bottom of this pool holding his head and protecting his neck. And he whispered to me, it's not over. It's not over. She wakes up. Her daughter comes running to, into her room and says, Mommy, I just had her daughter, which is uh, 13, 14 years old. Mommy, I had a dream, and it, I'm a little bit weirded out by it. I'm not sure what it means. She's like, what is your dream? 
And she said, I had a dream about Pastor Ricardo, that his son, Dovin Josiah, she said specifically, Josiah Dovinupul, uh, and there was an angel protecting him. And this angel said, it's not over. It's not over. And so basically this mother had to contact us. She run, She hears the story. She begins to weep. She runs to the hospital and shares this story with us. And we just fell to our knees. Did she know about the song you had written three months earlier called It's Not Over? Said the song wasn't even released yet. No. The song <laughs> was only written. We, the song hadn't been recorded for another four months. It, it hadn't been recorded yet. But, you know, none of this would have happened, I believe, if you hadn't activated what God was already doing behind the scenes by your worshiping God with every fiber of your being. That's what I believe. Well, I believe it with you. And in retrospect, it becomes so much clearer because in the it's hard to see the forest in the midst of trees. It's hard to recognize sometimes where you are until you get a bird's eye view of where you are. And I believe when you tap in through worship, when you tap into a prophetic worship flow, that worship elevates your perspective elevates you supernaturally, spiritually, and gives you a supernatural perspective where God is. God sees the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. There is no time in Him. And that's exactly what we feel, that when we threw ourselves on the floor, when we begin to cry out unashamedly that Jesus is Lord, that God is in control, that, Father, you never leave us nor forsake us, that we believed within our heart of hearts, every fiber in our being yearned for God's presence to be activated. And I believe, Sid, when God comes, according to the word, he inhabits the praises of his people. And when God inhabits, he brings his entire arsenal with him, his entire kingdom, his entire ability with him. So when God's presence is with us, I believe we just need to tap into that presence to unlock the supernatural. Is your son in a wheelchair today? No, sir. Is your son on a breathing machine today? No, sir. Is your son, does your son have a breathing tube today? No, sir. How normal is your son today? I, I just left. We're, um, we're actually traveling and ministering, and we left my son two days ago. He had just scored 12 points in his basketball game. He's the center of his basketball team and scored uh, 12 points and had four block shots and had eight rebounds. Tell me what effect people have when they hear your teaching. And I've, frankly, I've never heard a teaching uh, on this area in such depth on biblical hope. Sid, the world defines hope simply as uh, having a feeling um, for something to happen, a desire for something to happen. Biblical hope uh, is defined as having a strong confidence or an expectation that something is going to happen. Uh, even in medical science, you see uh, Jerome Groupman. He states in his book, The Anatomy of Hope, uh, for all his patients, it's true, it's proven. Hope is an important part. Uh, it's even more as important as medication, anything that he could ever prescribe. The Bible says, uh, it, through God's promise of Abraham, uh, it can be summed up in Genesis chapter 12, uh, there's a sevenfold structure of promise uh, that he directs to Abraham. 
uh, in just a few, the Lord tells Abraham that I will make you a great nation. He says to Abraham, you will be a blessing. I will make your name great. And he goes on. And what it's found in um, is as God promises Abraham, Abraham's, I believe his faith was activated through these promises. And to me, that's exactly what it is. It's a promise, but it's a strong belief and desire and or expectation. It's through the covenants that God had set with Abraham of his first promise to Abraham. And that was, I will make you a great nation. There are promises that I will give you. And Abraham's belief and his trust in God, because that's what faith is. Our faith is defined as trust. It's defined as belief. And it's defined as reliance on God. And that's what we activated in this situation with Josiah. And regardless of what people are walking through, they have to trust, they have to believe, and they have to rely. Listen, this is not a game or a country club that we're involved in. This is our life. This is what we actually believe, that when God speaks, that we're to listen and we're to obey, regardless of what we're walking through. And this is exactly what had happened with Abraham. Regardless of what Abraham was walking through, Abraham trusted, he believed, and he relied upon the promises of God and the promises for his family and future generations to come. The devil, the enemy will continually remind you of your weakness. Listen, the enemy knows your name, but he calls you by your weakness. God knows your weakness, but he chooses to call us by our name. Ricardo Sanchez is uh, the worship leader for Jensen Franklin. And all of a sudden, God says, I want you to start your own ministry. Um, how did that hit you? <laughs> <laughs> like a ton of bricks. You know, we um, it's like leaving a warm bed. Uh, you're enjoying comfort and sleep, and it's still powerful. I mean, God's moving, and um, but at the same time, uh, there's something inside you. There's a call of God inside you that you need to obey. Uh, above comfortability and security. Um, that's probably a better word to describe it. Um, so love Pastor Franklin and the church, and I'm back there every chance I can possibly get. But um, obeying God, it's uh, sometimes uh, sometimes a bit nerve-wracking and intimidating, but that's exactly what we did. Sid, when I had left the church, um, I had no income. I had nothing on the calendar. Well, to be honest, I had three dates, and this was May. So I had a, almost a full year in front of me with, with no opportunity to generate income for my, my young family. We had a small bit of savings. So when I made the decision to enter into full-time ministry on our own, I just felt this nudging in from God, regardless of what you see, Ricardo. I am greater than it. I, I, I will supply all your sufficiency for all good things. And I remember getting out of that meeting, going home, and uh, just weeping before God. <laughs> Did I make the right decision? This is a world-changing ministry. Jensen Franklin is, is an incredible man of God. He is the most incredible man to work for and to minister alongside with. And, and as I began driving, I, I remember this old song that I had heard, If God Before Me. And I, I just was weeping. Who can be against me? If God, if you are for me, who can be against me? And when I got home, I felt God's presence even in my, my car driving those six miles back home. And when I got home, I went directly into my office. I didn't want to tell my wife what I felt God telling me because I was a bit intimidated to share with her. 
I picked up my guitar and sat at the keyboard, actually, with my guitar. And I wrote, I will not fear, for I know you're with me everywhere I go. If God be for me, who can be against me? And the song, If God Be For Me, uh, was birthed through that moment. Let's hear it. Ricardo, we know that God is for us, but what happens when circumstances are out of our control? Uh, For instance, uh, there's someone listening. They've just been laid off from work. 
Uh, they, they, they have no savings. Uh, there's someone else listening. They've just gotten a diagnosis of cancer. Uh, there's someone else uh, listening right now, and uh, their daughter won't speak to them anymore. Uh, they're, 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 <laughs> this life is a hard life. Uh, we know the fact that God is for us. But what happens when things are out of control? What do we do? Mm, such a great question, Sid. So many are walking through that. I firmly believe it's not what happens to you that defines you. It's how you respond to what happens to you. I don't think God you know, is interested necessarily in those that are abusing or those that are confusing you. I think God in heaven is more interested in you and how are you going to respond to it. Because I believe that all things work together for the good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And if we want to accomplish those things that God has purposed in our life, then we have to recognize first and foremost that there is a reason. And regardless of what it is, though the enemy comes in like a flood, the Bible says that God will raise up a standard against him. Though confusion comes in, though pain, frustration Fear and doubt might come in. We have to have the understanding and the revelation that God is still God, first and foremost. And I I look at even Joseph, how his brothers wanted to destroy him uh, because they knew the promise of God that was on his life, whether, you know, regardless of what you're walking through, they basically threw him in a pit to be sold. But I believe it's the pit that qualified Joseph for the palace. It was God and all of the heavens looking at Joseph. And, I, you know, I'm a musician, so I look at things in the natural and the supernatural and metaphors and such. But I see heaven looking over and looking at us. What, is, what are you going to do? You know, how are you going to respond? What is going to come out of your mouth? Is it going to be cursing God? Is it going to be cursing man? Or is it going to be praise? Is it going to be God, regardless of what I see? Or or is it going to be, uh, as you like to say, in the valley of, why, God? Why is this happening to me? And your focus is on the why and not the solution. Exactly. And God is the solution, the promises of God. But it all begins with us understanding that he's already accomplished it on the cross, that we now there's a beam on the cross, a beam touching earth and a beam touching heaven. We now, as earth beings, have access to the heavenly realm and we have to grab hold of this truth. And I believe it's the waiting, how we wait, the sound that we make, the sound with our mouth, the sound with our attitude, the sound with our character. I tell you, we're, we're Christians who, who have the great promise. We're the family of God. And I think sometimes our character and our expressions, we're so negative and so unapproachable. And, and, and I really believe that we need to grasp the revelation that we have joy, that we have good news, that the world is dying to know if God be for us, who could possibly be against us? That is some good news. There, there's no limits with God. This is why I really urge you to get our It's Not Over package, because if you could sense what I'm sensing here in the studio, that as Ricardo is speaking, there's a change going on literally in your spiritual DNA. And that's what's accomplished with this It's Not Over package. And you need this for what you're going through now and for what's going to happen in the future, because it's not over. 
the book, the worship CD, the teaching CD. It's going to literally instill supernatural hope within you for every possible situation that's coming against you. And as people respond to this teaching and this worship, uh, they're, they're having breakthroughs. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed what happened, Ricardo, in some of your meetings in, in, in Mexico. I, I, I mean, quick, what happened? Uh, we're leading worship, and right before Pastor Sergio gets up to speak, uh, there's screaming going on in the crowd, and there was an elderly gentleman who got up for the first time in 20 years and began to walk. Miracles started unraveling in the congregation where all they have is faith sit. That's all they had. In the midst of worship, nobody was teaching. It was just this environment. And, and in the midst of reading the book, in the midst of the worship CD, and the midst of the teaching CD uh, called the It's Not Over Package for a gift of $40, that's going to happen in your life. Breakthrough. It's your bot broadcast. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his countenance to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord grant you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. In the name of the Sar Shalom, and I tell you that backs are being restored and bone problems of all kinds are being healed. Snap, crackle, and pop in Jesus' name. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.